This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. It was a an eventful week one, let us say, and of course it concludes tonight with Monday Night Football. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. We are on Sirius XM Channel 80, the ESPN app, and on your smart speakers. Joseph, I I got to tell you, I am excited for this game tonight with the Jets and the uh, Buffalo Bills. Aaron Rodgers' debut as a Jet. This, to me, is something that's going to be very, very interesting uh, when we get a feel for what Rodgers is going to look like right out of the gate with the Jets. I wish I shared your optimism and your enthusiasm. You think it's going to be a bad game? No, I ran downstairs and had half a breakfast burrito that was left over from yesterday during the break. I ate it faster and with more hot sauce than I should have, and I feel like I'm about to explode as a, as a person. So I can't even I can't think about anything right now. I'm looking like, off in the space. You just described like every day. You feel like it's going <laughs> to explode as a person. Like that that's like that's called life, Joe. That's I called mean, every meal. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. I really do have to. Like I know that it's such a stupid cliche, but like portion control is like a real thing because yeah. it, you know. Uh, uh, yeah way to figure that one out fatty i mean come on (laughs) but hey guys maybe i shouldn't eat until i hate myself maybe i should actually call off the dogs a little bit earlier in the process yeah it's just you know how it is you get in the middle of it and it's so good yeah oh yeah yeah, i'll tell you though i got room for more and then 20 minutes later i feel like a bear shot with a tranquilizer dart (laughs) come on i um to your point on tonight's game, this is always a very, very tricky spot in the Fortinball household. As you already know, but some of the listeners may not, I married in the Bills Mafia. Oh. And when we, when we started this little adventure together, the Bills were this lovable loser franchise. Everything was fine. If they lost, there were such a thing as moral victories. Things, things done changed in the last few years. And mm. now they're not the lovable upstart. You know, there's a little bit of pressure this year about trying to turn it around from last season. So I got to be very careful with my behavior and my commentary on days like today. Uh, Listen, I I completely understand. I had the situation yesterday uh, there with the split household because my wife is from the Bay area as a Niners fan. Oh, and I'm big Steelers fan. That was a problem. She didn't, you know, not a problem for her. It wasn't a problem for her. No, she was, she was very much in that very calm, like, I'm not going to go after you because it's like a little pat on the head. It, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Thanks for coming out. A lot of people have gotten abused by this. Yeah, a lot of people have. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. You know, the one thing that we haven't spent a whole lot of time on from last night's absolute demolition of the Giants uh, by the Cowboys is Dak Prescott. And it's funny. I, I should have thought better just because of the weather I had Dak over one and a half touchdown passes in the game. Uh, And, of course, he did not throw a touchdown pass last night. Now, having said that, he didn't do much of anything last night. And it wasn't just because of the weather. And you go back and you watch how that game was called, how they played it throughout. And it's not really a surprise that he only threw the ball 24 times and he did it for 143 yards. Joe... I'm getting the feeling, you know, between Mike uh, McCarthy complaining that they didn't run the ball enough last year 
to what we saw last night, to all the talk around Dak and the fact that they haven't paid him his next contract yet, I'm getting the feeling that the Cowboys just want Dak to not screw this up. It's possible. It's one game, but it's possible. I mean, we use this cliche all the time in sports with the, you know, what's the definition of insanity? It's doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Insert the Los Angeles Chargers as Exhibit A for that definition. But by the way, Kellen Moore did not have a problem running the football yesterday at all. Nope. No, Brandon Staley's a defensive mind and his defense stinks and they stunk last year too. It's amazing that that's his specialty and it is the big weak link for the Charger roster, but enough on them. Maybe McCarthy has realized something here. Maybe the thought process is, look, we're paying this guy a pretty penny. We've been looking for him to be a franchise quarterback who can routinely deliver us 300 plus yards, three plus touchdowns and carry us to victory. What if... We think of it in a different way. What if we have a new approach? What if we build a team that can play high-level defense, we put together an offense in which we run the ball, and we limit Prescott's exposure to making mistakes? What if we do that? And that's what that game looked like yesterday. It looked like a scenario where they said, we don't need you to do a whole much, Brock Purdy. We want you to go out there, take advantage of what you have, let some of the other guys do the heavy lifting, and we'll figure this thing out. And that's exactly what they did. So I'm not going to use the dreaded game manager logo just yet because it's one game and it was in the rain. But I wouldn't be surprised if maybe the approach this year is to slow the game down a little bit, lean on that defense, run the football with purpose, and limit what Dak Prescott is asked to do. Because winning 10-plus games shouldn't be a huge problem with what this roster has. It's advancing in the postseason that has been the problem for the Dallas Cowboys the last couple years. Here's my problem with it, though. At some point, and it's probably going to come in the postseason, you're going to need Dak to go put together a drive and win a game for you. Yes. Win a couple games for you. And I wonder about how this – I don't think that it affects his confidence – I just wonder about how he's going to handle those situations later in the season when the Cowboys have not been about throwing the ball. I'm not saying air raid or anything, but I got to tell you, Joe, this is completely unfair of me to say, but it's 100% true. I trust Bach Purdy a lot more than I trust Jack Prescott right now. What if you and- flip their roles? If you flip their roles and, and Prescott was playing in Shanahan's system, I mean, listen, if you had a much See what more happens friendly, there immediately. Yeah, I understand, but <laughs> if you had a much more quarterback-friendly situation, but are we saying that Kellen Moore was bad? Are we saying he was bad with him no. last year? No. I don't think it was Kellen Moore's fault. I, I really don't. He was turning the ball over left and right. And in essence, what the Cowboys have told you right now, we do not trust you. We do not trust you to go and win games. And I think... In limiting what he does now, that can come back and bite you two ways. Number one, uh, I don't think Tony Pollard and Deuce Vaughn are going to be as amazing a rushing attack as everybody seems to think. Not big enough. No. You need some power back there. And they don't have it. And I'm not saying they should have kept Zeke because I think Zeke is toast. But number two, you have weapons to throw the football to. You know, Brandon Cooks is still a really good receiver to go with C.D. Lamb. You know, Pollard in open space, good. Michael Gallup is is a pretty good third wide receiver. So there shouldn't be any reason 
that Dak can't get back to what he was a few years ago, but what you were telling him right now is that he can't, and that's what worries me. Cowboys are three-point favorites this week against the Jets. That'll change based on what we see tonight. Mm-hmm. But they're 1-0. They're going to host the Jets at the Cardinals, host the Patriots, and then they're in San Francisco to take on the Niners Sunday, October 8th. That has the potential to be two undefeated teams going head-to-head. If they get past the Jets, we assume they'll beat Arizona. You should probably beat New England at home. Dare we say 4-0 Dallas at 4-0 San Francisco Sunday night, October 8th? Yeah. You know what's going to happen? What? The Cowboys are going to lose that game by two touchdowns. Oh, and, and okay. Gonna, okay. okay. Now, need... you've, now you've piqued my interest. Well, here's the thing. Because that's that kind of game where they're going to be going up against a really good defense, and Dak is going to have to go and make big plays. And if you are just playing simply like this, you are not beating the 49ers that way. You are not doing it. Like, you have to be able to do some things that they're going to respect. And I I know what the forecast, I know what the weather was last night. That was not, to me, the entire reason that they were approaching that game the way they did. This looked a lot more like, you know what, kid? Just hand it off. We'll be all right. You know, don't don't make bad decisions. You know, and I think when you do that, eventually that does do some work on the confidence when you are in. And uh, that New England game is not going to be any fun for them either because New no. England's a top five defense. They've got They're a very really, good really good. This uh, – he- Prescott's last two games against the Niners in the postseason, they've been eliminated by the Niners in the postseason each of the last two years. 17 points in one game, 12 points in last year's game. He's a combined 46 of 80, which is barely over 50%, two touchdowns, three interceptions. He has not played well in either of those games. That's not a he played really well in one and awful in the other, and I'm giving you the averages and playing fun with math here. He didn't play well in either game. 23 points was what the Niners scored in that road game when Garoppolo got hurt a couple years ago. And last year, the Niners scored 19 points. 19. If Dallas scores 20 points in the playoffs, they advanced to the NFC Championship game, but they couldn't do it. And he was a big reason why in that game. 23 of 37, lots of checkdowns, only 206 yards, couldn't make the big play down the field. Maybe this is the year. Maybe they run the ball more. Maybe it sets up the play-action passing game. But that's going to be a marquee game for Dakota Prescott to stake his claim to whether or not he's going to be this franchise's face moving forward because they're going to need that, like you said. And maybe McCarthy can cover some of it up early in the year like we saw last night, but that's not going to work all year, and it's especially not going to work in the postseason. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. So are the Cowboys asking less of Dak Prescott? And is that going to be a problem eventually? That's the question to you right now. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Do they just want him to not screw it up after all the turnovers last year? Lines are open for your calls now. Carlin versus Joe, presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs. For protection on the road and on the water, see how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and at Progressive.com. Why one NFL quarterback threw two touchdown passes yesterday and still didn't do enough to keep his job long-term. That's next. ESPN Radio, Series 6M Channel 8. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
Jones throws it out to the left. Football! Recovered in the air at the 20. Run into the end zone by Duran Bland. A lot of good things tonight to build off of. It's your first division win, your first road win. And all those are important because it's important to get that first one under your belt. It was a tail kicking. There's no question about that. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. I do have to thank the Cowboys. They got me an extra hour of sleep. <laughs> I was planning on being up till about 11.30, 11.45 on a Sunday night. No, 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 no. Head hit the pillow, 10.30. Oh, you're in good shape. I got out quick, too. Oh, it was beautiful. Top to bottom beautiful. I mean, can't ask for more than that. That, the TikTok was fantastic. I may say you're really rounding in the form on that medium. That when I think oh, that Chris Carlin, That's I'm thinking joke, TikTok. No, 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 no. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. I could see how you take it that way. Not that is a fat joke. <laughs> that is a compliment. <laughs> I will be storing that to use as a joke later down the line. Now that I thought about, it, now that you brought it up, but no, the, the TikToks are hilarious. You said exactly what what many of us were thinking in the perfect moment, and then I was like, he's right. I should be going to bed too. Well, one thing we're gonna do and maybe we'll even do it tonight, depending on what happens in the game. We're going to do maybe a, an IG live or two with our Instagrams uh, after these games to get a kind of a quick reaction to it. Uh, I kind of, we've, I've done that before. It's a fun way to just get involved and have a quick discussion about it and get people on social media involved as well. Uh, you can follow Joe on Instagram at jfortenbaugh, and you can follow me at thatguycarlin. Uh, on Instagram and uh, also on TikTok. Let's build up those uh, social presences. Let's do it. Yeah, so we'll hopefully we'll do that later on tonight. Uh, Carlin versus Joe, presented by Progressive Insurance, 888-SAY-ESPN. Let's hit it. They're on the lines right now on these Cowboys. Robin Florida is up first. Rob, what do you got, dude? I guess you're talking about me, Bob. Or Bob. Um, Oh, hey, Bob. Yeah, thanks. Hey, Bob. Thanks for taking the call, guys. Love you both and love the show together. I didn't know you guys were renaming it. Effective one weekend, though, to Carlin and Joe in lockstep together. It's a give me one good reason without more downside than upside why the Cowboys would have shown one thing on offense last night. What do you mean by show one thing? It was over in the first. The game was over in the first five minutes. It was such a fluky wild outcome the Cowboys had no reason not to take advantage of it like it was not a preseason where they didn't need to show how their offense is going to play in a real game all right Fair well, let, assessment. Me, let me let me clue you in on something first of all a an NFL head coach doesn't matter if he's up 28 nothing in the first quarter they are not treating that like oh well we can just pack it in tonight and and run the ball the rest of the way. And I would refer to you to the playoff game just this past year with the Jaguars and Chargers. It isn't part of the job, however, to not screw it up and let the other team get some momentum where they don't deserve it, which is a possibility, and especially in that weather. I think it's a good call, and it's a fair point, because to be honest, when you get up that big and you're performing the way you are, what's the incentive to go out there and really throttle down? It's not to say that they took their foot off the gas and they just tried to coast out of there. The defense continued to play extremely well, but we are perhaps on this Zen Monday in which we say we're going to take it easy and not overreact. Perhaps we've gotten outside the realm of Zen for a little bit here, and we have overanalyzed Prescott and the Cowboys in a performance that was nothing but a statement, 40 to nothing blowout win over rival New New York. Is it possible, Carlin, we have stepped outside the realm of Zen? No. 
Nile in Michigan next, ESPN Radio. I'm still zen. Can't you hear it in my voice? Nile. <laughs> hey, what's up, guys? Uh, Chris, I love you at Canty. You guys were my favorites, and now you got Joe on there, and I like to dabble, so y'all winning me some money. Yeah. Appreciate that. I like that. Um, I like I have, the way you put I that. I like Dak's to dabble. Continue to Dak, <laughs> and by the end of the year, they're going to move on from McCarthy and move up Dan Quinn, and they're going to put some packets. They're going to uh, Dion's going to continue killing it, and they're going to get him as an offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator, and they're going to put Dak up with some picks to move up and get uh, Dion's son as their next franchise quarterback. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Uh, now I'm all for. Really going down the rabbit hole. Number one, Dion's not going to take a coordinator gig. No, what he's would, not. Dion's a head coach, and that's back. it. <laughs> so there's that. That's number one. Number two, putting the package together for the picks for his kid. The kid looks good. Shador, Shador Sanders has looked fantastic through two games, so we'll see how that develops. The Heisman odds continue to climb. The, the, the part, though, about the defensive coordinator, that's the part that you'd really want to stick on. Because yep. he has done a tremendous job with that defense since taking over. When Quinn was in Atlanta, he went to the Super Bowl. I know everyone's going to say 28-3. to Whatever. People make mistakes. Games get lost. But the thing is, he still coached the team to the Super Bowl. And that's on his resume. He also had success like that when he was the defensive coordinator in Seattle prior to his stop in Atlanta. So if things go south with McCarthy, it probably wouldn't be that far of a stretch to think Quinn could step in because what he's done with this organization since he arrived has been spectacular. Oh, it's been great. And he's done a terrific job. And and frankly, I think he should already be the head coach, but he's not. They made the wrong decision. I would have absolutely made him the head coach and kept Kellen Moore. I would have I would have made that change, but would instead, Kellen Moore have been okay with that if McCarthy's out and Moore stays in the same spot? He probably wants to get promoted at some point. I'm sure he does, but you have to look at it like, well, hang on a second. If I'm in that spot, that guy, as you pointed out, has already taken a team to the Super Bowl as a head coach. I understand why this is going on. He may not have been all right with it, but if I could have made that work, and I'm sure Jerry could have financially, then then I think it would have worked that way. But it didn't happen, and here we are. How about Trucker James next, ESPN Radio? What's up, dude? How are you? I'm good, Carl. How are you today? I'm outstanding, brother. All right. And look, in in your analysis of Dak on last night, you take into account the amount of throws, the amount of uh, drops the tight ends had. Yeah, Ferguson didn't help him. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, his numbers would have been up. They were doing what they quote-unquote, wanted to do in the offense based on the score of the game. I mean, the way they were up did kind of, you know, take away their their offensive hunger because, I mean, the defense was just ridiculous. All right, well, let me ask you this. um, Let me ask you this. Do you think the Cowboys' game plan now for this season is to have Dak throw the ball between 30 and 35 times a game? No, he he rarely does that anyway. It's just this is my Dak point. It was twenty four times last night. They are going to limit him when he turned the football over as much as he did last year. Exactly, I agree with that. I, I agree with that. But what people, what what I was getting from what you were saying was like, well, he didn't. Well, it didn't. A guy on another show said the same thing. He well, he didn't. You know, he didn't show nothing. The offense didn't really show nothing. You know, but he did go downfield. He hit C.D. Lamb on the forty plus yards. And I believe he hit—I uh, forget who else he hit—but it wasn't forty yards, but it was 
down the field. But um, I, I do agree with you on this one thing. If they go into San Francisco 4-0 and they're riding his high waves, they're hitting all cylinders, and then he goes out there and lay an egg, then I am forced, as much as I hate to, I'm forced to agree with you that this guy, as much as I fight for him, he, 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 I don't believe he's going to be the answer. Do you think, Joe, are we sitting here next year at this time talking about Dak still as the Cowboys quarterback? Or is he somewhere else and they have gone out to get a quarterback? I think he's somewhere else. As good as they looked in game one, I think ultimately their unwillingness to extend him tells you everything you need to know. If he has a spectacular year, gets him to the NFC Championship game, the Super Bowl, or wins the whole thing, yeah, he's going to get his deal. But I think when you have a guy you're confident in, you're not dancing around it. You're not dancing around it. The rare exception is the Lamar Jackson situation because he was asking for something that, in the eyes of many, was just unrealistic. But Burrow got done. Herbert got done. Hertz got done. You get him done. You get him done when you like him. And to another point, and I hate the fact that I've been trying to sit here defending Prescott and the Cowboys because I hate the Cowboys. It's okay if we want to blast Daniel Jones and the Giants for last night, too. Because a 40 to nothing win, we're sitting here, well, you know, Prescott didn't look that great. I'll tell you who didn't look great. Everybody on the other sideline. That team looked like butt from start to finish in that matchup. The Giants, how about this stat? The Giants had 64 offensive plays last night. 30 of them. 30 went for negative or no yards. Oh, come on. Are you serious? Half yep. the plays were negative plays? or Negative or zero yards game. Think about all the work that went into that game plan and what they produced. Oh <laughs> like that. God. Oh, my gosh. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Series 6M, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. 888-SAY-ESPN. We have got more lines open for you on the DAC topic and also on just how bad the Giants were. The rest of the NFL is in big trouble if one team can just keep their quarterback on the field. It's next. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Series 6M, Channel 80. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Christine Lisi, NFL Spotlight tonight on MetLife Stadium in New Jersey, where quarterback Aaron Rodgers will make his Jets debut against the Bills on Monday Night Football, 8 Eastern ESPN and ABC with the Manning cast on ESPN2. ESPN's Adam Schefter's reporting. Tests revealed Browns right tackle Jack Conklin has a torn ACL and MCL in his left knee, will undergo season-ending surgery. Rookie Dewan Jones replaced Conklin in yesterday's game. Eagles cornerback James Bradbury's in concussion protocol, putting his availability for Thursday night's game against the Vikings into question. Utah will start freshman quarterback Nate Johnson if injured starter Cam Rising can't play against Weber State this week. NBA Rockets guard Kevin Porter Jr. arrested on charges of assault and strangulation after an incident at a New York hotel lobby this morning. According to New York City Police, the incident involved Porter's girlfriend. Tour back to throw. Deep downfield. Wide open. Touchdown. Tyreek Hill. 
What a throw and catch right on the money, one-on-one. What a throw by Tua. Wow. Throws it to the corner, and it's caught. Tyreek Hill, touchdown. Who else can you beat in a game? My gosh, again. What a throw by Tua. Bro, Tua's a baller, bro. I've been saying this since last year. I've been an advocate, you know, for him. Like, he definitely showed it today. I mean, throwing for what, 450 yards or whatever the number ended up being? I mean, first of all, the playmakers that they have, we know this already, but they put them in such incredible situations to be successful. Mike McDaniel does an amazing job. For instance, it's, you know what Tyreek Hill does? You get him the ball, and he makes plays after the catch. And that's what happened yesterday. They got, it's not, you know, we throw a hundred bombs all over the place. It's let's just get him the ball in space. And what do you know? He has over 200 yards receiving. What? The Dolphins getting that win on the road yesterday. I thought, I thought that was a terrific win, a terrific start for them. Uh, I'm not at all concerned by the amount of points that they gave up. I would be more concerned by what happened uh, with the Chargers and the points that they gave up, Joe. Um, For me, if I'm Miami, that has me feeling pretty good going home because that's not an easy thing to do. Oh, without question. Three-point dogs opening the season against a high-powered offense that a lot of people think could make some noise this year. You go in there, you get that win. That's a fantastic win. When we talk about how difficult the schedules are for the teams in the AFC East, there's one of your non-divisional matchups that you handled swimmingly, absolutely swimmingly and without Jalen Ramsey. To your point on Tyreek Hill, he goes for over 200 yards yesterday. 200 yards on 11 receptions. What Mike McDaniel does, the head coach of the Dolphins, is very similar to what Kyle Shanahan does in San Francisco. It's no surprise that McDaniel used to work for Shanahan and that they come from the Mike Shanahan coaching tree. Kyle Shanahan doesn't look at receivers the way so many of us do. Okay, how can you you run down the field and out-jump this guy? Can you get 20 yards down the field and then cut across the middle and catch a pass? What they want to see is, what can you do when I get the ball in your hands? So I need to design plays to get you the ball so that when you're in space, you can go make plays. Some guys can't handle in space. If you remember, and this is going to sound like a knock, it's not meant to knock Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce. But the greatest show on turf, do you remember how those guys would catch, run, and as soon as contact was coming, they would dive for the ground? Yep. That was their style. Nothing wrong with that. Very effective, legendary wide receivers. I mean no disrespect. But when Kyle's looking at wide receivers – Debo Samuel is essentially a running back who plays wide receiver. He loves that. Get the ball to Debo, let him run people over. Brandon Ayuk, coming out of Arizona State, was one of the top receivers in the country when it came to yards after the catch. That's what Shanahan wants. He doesn't necessarily need to throw the ball 40 yards down the field on every play. He just needs to get it into your hands with a little bit of space so you can do what you do best. And that is what Miami's doing under Mike McDaniel, especially with Tyreek Hill. You know, Jalen Waddell is a fantastic wide receiver as well. You go into the box score, four catches for 78 yards. It's right underneath Tyreek Hill going 11 for 215 and two. So you go, oh, Waddle didn't do a whole lot. He did great. They threw him five passes. He caught four for 78 yards. These guys are dangerous, really, really dangerous as long as their quarterback stays healthy. So I don't know what the future is going to hold for Miami if two ends up getting hurt and they need to look elsewhere for their new, new trigger man. But, man, when they are healthy, they are fun to watch. This game was exactly what we expected it to be, exactly. Yeah. And you know what? I said earlier, you know, they're not chucking it all the way down the field or anything. But when Tua had to yesterday – that was a dart at the end of yeah. the game. It couldn't have been more perfectly placed 
to Tyreek Hill, who continues to love his quarterback. Bro, Tua's a baller, bro. I've been I've been saying this since last year. You know, um, I've been an advocate, you know, for him. Um, and, like, he definitely showed it today. You know, even during halftime, you know, he was able to come in, you know, get guys going a little bit. And even on the sideline with me, he's like, hey, Cheetah, let's get it, baby. Um, big-time moment, big-time players made big-time plays. So he, he, he kind of, you know, leaned on me a little bit towards the end. And, you know, I, I, I mean – that just means more targets for me, though, and I kind of enjoy that. So, Look, they're going to be good. They're going to be good as long as he stays on the field. I still think they can be okay if he gets hurt. Mike White is a, is a very up-and-down guy. You know, he can have an amazing game one week and an awful game the next. But I, they are going to be very, very good and difficult to deal with if he stays on the field. Now, on the flip side, Mr. Fortenbaugh, Brandon Staley has just got to go. Let me let me let me get one more thing in real quick. Because yeah. I know you are about to go epic. I want to slide in one nugget for the great listeners out there. This is how much Tua's 466-yard performance yesterday meant in the betting markets out here in Las Vegas. Mm. Before the season started, he was roughly 25 to 1 to win the MVP award. Reasonable price, 25 to 1, uh, behind guys like Lamar Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, things of that nature. After yesterday's game, he is now Seven to one. Seven oh to one. God. The only player with better MVP odds is Patrick Mahomes. And wow. list. Mahomes, Tua, then Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, and Jalen Hurts. Tua's performance jumped him to the second best odds to win MVP. Now, with that said, I'd love to know what you think about Brandon Staley, the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. Joe, I can't understand how this buffoon continues to have a job. That's always a great word. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am blown away by the fact that he is in charge of this defense and it continues to be awful. I am blown away by the fact that Miami had their way with them all over the field yesterday. And I don't think Brandon Staley is equipped at all to be a head coach. And all I have to do is look at the last couple of years to understand that. If the Chargers are at all interested in saving their season, and I'm saying that after one game, they better decide pretty quickly in the first quarter of the year that they're going to move on. If they're sitting here at 2-2 two and two in a couple of weeks and they've got a road game at Tennessee, a road game at Minnesota – and a home game, a home game for Vegas. If you are two and two, and you're going to stay with the status quo, you're just asking for it again, another eight and nine type year at best. I have a feeling that they could be sitting at one and three, at two and two or one and three. I got to move on. I got to move on. I got to figure out if it's a different voice that has to be heard defensively. And I'm going to make Kellen Moore my head coach because the offense is not the problem. The offense is not the problem in the least. You know, there were times yesterday where Eckler looked a little bit banged up. Joshua Kelly, no problem. No problem. They've got weapons all over the place, and they just handed the bag to Justin Herbert, which was a sound financial decision. What is holding my team back right now? The head coach is holding my team back. You know how I know that? I'm watching the end of the first half yesterday where it was virtually impossible with what, like 15, 18 seconds left 
to give up points. And Brandon Staley found a way with poor coaching. And he did it. You you might look at it. It's not his fault that J.C. Jackson gets hit with a pass interference. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Got hit with a pass interference on a bomb that he had no business going anywhere near the receiver on, and it sets them up to kick a field goal on an untimed down on the last play of the half. A coach is supposed to coach a player to know the situation and to understand what to do. And that guy, even as good of a corner as he's supposed to be, as you pointed out earlier, a disastrous contract has to know the situation. I put that on the coach, and I think Brandon Staley has no business being an NFL head coach. None. Let me ask you something. And I'm putting you on the spot with this, so if you don't have an answer right away, I completely understand. But since the turn of the millennium, let's go back to 2000, is there any team in all of sports that has had more talent and accomplished less than the Los Angeles Chargers? Think about it for a second. Antonio Gates, LaDainian Tomlinson, Sean Merriman, Lorenzo Neal, Quentin Jammer, Antonio Cromartie. This, Michael Turner was on the team. Darren Sproles was on the team. Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers, Justin Herbert. There is Khalil Max there now. Joey Bosa is there now. I'm not even getting into the nitty-gritty of some of the great offensive and defensive linemen they've had. Vincent Jackson at wide receiver. Eric Weddle at safety. Is there any team that has had more talent and achieved less than the Los Angeles Chargers because all that talent over the last two-plus decades, they went to one AFC championship game, and they lost it. That's it. God. It is putting me on the spot a little bit, but it's it's hard to point out anybody in the NFL, that's for sure. At least to have had that talent for a relatively consistent amount of time during that stretch. I mean... Can you say the Raiders? I don't well, know. I can tell you the Raiders certainly haven't achieved more than the Chargers. No, oh, no. In the, since 2000, the Raiders at least made the Super Bowl. They yeah. won again, and they, they went a little bit further. Yeah. Of course, they kept all the same calls as John Gruden had the year before. That probably didn't help. It was not exactly managed brilliantly. Uh, no, I can't. I can't. I guess here's the only one that I would say. Cowboys, maybe, but they're at oh least boy. they're in the you know they're in the postseason. Did we just create content for first take tomorrow? Did we just give them cowboy content for it's tomorrow? Possible. You're welcome. It's, we love you. Team possible. effort here. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. Only one game left in Week One. Joe says everything already on the line for the Jets and Bills on a Zen Monday. On ESPN Radio, that's next. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. versus Joe on ESPN Radio. Saints 16, Titans 15. Because they were legally contracted to show the game. <laughs> it felt like a Costco run where I want to get a specific kind of cracker, let's say. But you have to buy the multi-value pack. And right. like half of those crackers I have no interest in. 
the wheat ones. You're exactly. not eating those wheat ones. I don't want wheat crackers, no. And, you know, yesterday, at times, Saints-Titans was the wheat crackers. <laughs> Completely true. They did an amazing job on uh, YouTube TV for the first time out on the Sunday ticket. The problem was those quad boxes, you can't pick your own, and you're stuck with that terrible option. And at times, a terrible option was Saints-Titans. 16-15. A nail-biter, but not exactly. Carla yeah, versus not, Joe. Not ESPN at times, Radio. the entire time. Uh, I was trying to be kind. That game <laughs> I, was a tough watch. I don't know why I was worried about offending Mike Vrabel, but <laughs> here, here we are. I will. <laughs> guy ran out of challenges with seven minutes left in the first half. That's a great point. That's a great point. Didn't he have one like in the first series of the he, game? I think he no. He challenged. Yeah, he challenged the first play of the game. He won it, and then he uh, he challenged what he thought was a fumble by Derek Carr that was an incomplete pass. Oh my god! Wow. And that was like seven minutes to go in the first quarter. Good thing for him. Like there was no other controversial play later on that he would have needed that challenge for. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not. Wor- when it comes to management and things of that nature, I don't think we need to worry about Vrabel all that much. He's yes. proven he understands what he's doing. If we have issues with game management and timeout usages and challenge usages, there are plenty of other guys we can direct our ire at. No, that's just uh, that's Evan picking the guy out. And sticking it to him whenever he has a chance. (laughs) And it doesn't matter who the guy is, right? Like, if somebody screws it up, you're going to come in, you're going to knife him from the side, and then you're going to run away. Well, my my plan was to come in and and go all guns a blazing at Todd Bowles, but he had a great game, and the Buccaneers won a game they shouldn't have, so... I had to say, I'll save my Todd Bowles hate for another day. If you're Minnesota, Mike, my, my, I mean, if you're Minnesota today, I think you, there are a few, only a ha- small handful of fan bases that woke up today knowing it's over. Minnesota oh, yeah. is one of them. <laughs> oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Let's finish this. It's time to end the football week with a win. Easy money. This is Monday Night Moneymaker. You're damn right it is. Monday Night Football Preview brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Joe, explain how the Monday Night Moneymaker works. We're going to vary how many picks we make from week to week. For example, we have two Monday Night games next week, so we'll make more picks. But we're going to do two picks today. We each start with a bankroll of $100. That is your bankroll for the season. So if you go bust in week four... You are out in week four. We will be keeping a running tally. You're free to wager as much as you like within your bankroll. You're free to, free to get clever with parlays if you'd like. But we're going to make two picks each tonight. We will determine on our own how much we want to wager and what those wagers will be. All right. So you lead us off to show the audience what we're just doing. All right. I'd like to start with the Kansas City Royals tonight. Big Ooh. showdown. In, I'm just kidding. We're not doing baseball. <laughs> really? <laughs> I wanted to see how long that would take before everyone's like, no. Royals, that Angels, the or whatever purpose. that is? <laughs> uh, pick number one is going to be simple. I have $100. I'm going to make a 4% wager. I'm going to wager $4.40 to win $4 on the under 45 and a half points. Story of this game is the Jets' defense. Last year, when they didn't have Aaron Rodgers, they held Buffalo to just 232 total yards and 317 total yards in their two meetings. Those were the lowest yardage output games of the entire season for the Bills. I think the Bills will struggle to move the ball tonight. I also think the Jets, behind that offensive line, going up against a good Bills defense, will struggle to move the ball as well. Risk 440 to win $4 on under 45 and a half points. Okay, so we got the under at 4% for you. I will risk 
$5.50. Going right out of the gate. $5.50 tonight on the under or rush yards for James Cook at 43.5. Under on rush yards for James Cook, it is minus 120. So what would that be? That would be more $6 to win five. Yeah, six to five. Nicely done on that. Good math conversion. That's right. And I appreciate the honesty as well. Some some would try to sneak sneak one by me there. No, that's minus 120. Six to uh, risk six dollars to win five. James Cook under 43 and a half rush yards. Okay, my second one is going to be yes, Aaron Rodgers throws an interception. I'm going to make a four dollar wager on that. It is plus 114, which means a four dollar wager if I lose is four dollars. If I win that four dollar wager, it becomes four times four is 36. Four times four is 60. 14 times four is 40. What's 14 times four? I should have done this in advance. Uh, what? Uh, 56. 56. I would win $4.56. I think Rodgers comes out right? tonight. 14, There's going to be some nerds. Nerves. Nerds. Yes. 14 nerds. times four is 56. Good candy, the nerds, if you mix it with tangy taffy. Throw a little tangy taffy in, then dump some nerds in. It is a sugar explosion in your mouth. Mm. It's fantastic. That uh, Rodgers going to have some nerves tonight. Again, playing behind a shaky O-line. Bill's got some ball hawks in the secondary. I like Rodgers to throw an INT plus 114. And I'm going to keep this simple here. Uh, I'm going to go uh, $3 on the New York Jets money line. Woo-hoo. $3 on the New York Jets money line at plus 110. Look at you. So why not? Why not? This is, is what we're, this is what is known, as you will come to know it, as a Carlin can't lose game. <laughs> Meaning that if I win, I win the money. If I lose, I bury the Jets. Yeah. So... That is a Carlin can't lose scenario. It's an emotional hedge. <laughs> I guess what that's whatever your technical term is. I'm more interested in how I win no matter what the outcome is. And CCL. that $3 investment will be worth it. Carlin can't lose, CCL. I am fired up. <laughs> Save when you bundle your motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Thanks for listening to the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Carlin vs. Joe weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch and listen on the ESPN app. The Carlin vs. Joe podcast.